Shauna and Jody here with Real Sisters, Real Talk. We're glad to have you joining us as we talk about growing in our faith with God. Hey, welcome back. I'm Jody, and we have Shauna here, my sister, and we are a week into the new year, which is crazy. It's going so quick already. But as we kind of uh, look at New Year's and kind of the transitions that have taken place and um, just the holidays now behind us, I am wondering, sister, mm-hmm. do you have like a memorable New Year's Eve or New Year's Day kind of a memory that just is fun? Hmm. Well, I have to tell you, first of all, my New Year's Eves are not super glamorous. They're pretty low key. It usually has to do with like playing some cards and chilling with the kids. We did have a tradition for a while there where a bunch of pastor's families that the guys all went to seminary together, we would all get together with all of our families and go to one family's home and we would have a big dinner and play games all night and we would stay the night there and then have a huge breakfast in the morning and then drive home in the morning and every family had a bedroom and then like the the adults each had a bedroom of their own and then all the kids just piled on the floor in the main room. So that was really fun. But as far as one specific one standing out to me, the thing that comes to mind is the year 2000, Y2K. I remember (laughs) New Year's Day, we had plans to go to a friend's house and watch watch the football game together, right? And what's that, the Rose Bowl? Yeah, see, I'm very football-y. Anyway, we were driving (laughs) to their house, and I remember we lived in Iowa, the town, and I remember driving through downtown and just like, not knowing what to expect and we're just driving down the street and I was like everything looks exactly like it did yesterday like no you know everybody feared that uh nothing was gonna work our our money wasn't gonna show up right in the banks and the computers flipping over to two zero 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 was just gonna freak everything out and it was just another day right it there was no fanfare no just pretty low-key what about you that's awesome. Yeah, I, I'm going to answer you, but first I just want to tell you, Austin um, would be so disappointed to hear you didn't even know what the um, s- oh, Sunday, the I mean, the day after, you uh, know, the New Year's Day. No. Yes, right? <laughs> the Rosebud. I know. He's big football. This is um, Lawrence, honestly, Lawrence's fiance. Woo-hoo! My daughter's fiance. Austin, Yay! I know. We're so that excited. Is big news. That is so exciting. Right? Yeah, they got engaged last month, so we are in the um, planning phase, and it's just a ton of fun. But um, yeah, he's he's big football, um, works in the football industry, and so um, anyway, total side note. Um, so a good, just a, a, I mean, New Year's, Christmas is a big holiday to me. New Year's kind of comes and goes a little bit, um, but just kind of thinking back, I remember one year, uh, Johnny and I were married. We didn't have kids yet. And we had some friends over and we ended up in a Monopoly game. And this Monopoly game became so serious that all of a sudden we're like, oh my goodness, it's 1159. And we quick ran <laughs> and, you know, got something to drink and toasted for the new year. And then went straight back to Monopoly and played Monopoly till two in the morning. It was oh ridiculous. I know it was crazy, but it was a, ser- and it was one game and it was serious. Oh, yeah. So that is a fun memory. But I also remember, I mean, you know, Sean and I both grew up in Southern California. I remember when Johnny and I were dating, we were going to a New Year's party one year and it was a beautiful day. Weather was absolutely beautiful. And sometimes we have cold and rain, but that happened to be a really sunny day and he was going to surf. And so I went with him to the beach and I laid out and I got to the Mm. New Year's party and they're like, why are you tan? (laughs) 
beach. Nice. That's nice. So, uh, Southern yeah, California New Year's. Yeah, right. We don't have that here. And, you know, reflecting back now on New Year's Day, I can't help but just bring up the fact that it was New Year's Day when dad went to heaven. And so it was yeah. New Year's morning. That That is a memorable one. Um, just waking up and the night before Jodzu had, we, we were all together with dad via FaceTime and, and had said our goodbyes via FaceTime. And I specifically remember you saying, it's okay, dad, you can go. And I just remember not being okay with that. There was a hitch in my spirit, as we like to say. And I was like, yeah. Mm. Anyway, then the following morning, I sat with the Lord and spent some time with him and was processing why I couldn't say what you had said. Even though I agreed with you, I wanted to be able to say that to dad. I just wasn't in that place. And I was, the Lord was so kind to meet me in that place. And I think I've shared this story on, in a different episode prior, uh, I think an episode about grief, but um, God met me, gave me exactly what I needed in that moment. And just as he did, the phone rang and it was you calling to tell me that dad had just gone to heaven. And it just, the way that God, yeah, so kindly took me by the hand and gave me what I needed. And at the same time was taking dad by the hand and hugging him, loving on him and welcoming him, welcoming him into eternity. That's, that is, I mean, New Year's Day will never be the same. Right. It has that such a significance for us since that day. The, and the fun thing, and, and I know we've talked about this, but the fun thing is um, many of us girls were actually spending time with the Lord when that phone call came in. And so you just, um, we have to create space. And I, I think, you know, new year is that's, that's actually creating space to spend time with the Lord is a rhythm for us. And it, specifically even on new year's morning, like you, you had something that you were wrestling with. And so where did you go? You went to the Lord to sit with him with, with that problem. And that's what we need to do. We need to actually seek our wisdom, um, seek p our peace and how to sort through what we're struggling with, with him in his presence. And that's such a gift. You know, just as we are talking about, oh, did you want to say something before I transition us over? Actually, it was just, I was just, I thought that's such a beautiful transition because we were talking, we're stepping into 2024, just feeling about being really intentional about being transformed, about being made different. And that happens by the renewing of our mind. And so, yes, God meets us in the moments that we're in and he gives us the wisdom that we need, the peace that we need. Um, he gives us exactly what is needed in the moment. But in our times with him too, his ways, which are higher than our ways and his thoughts, which are so very different and so much higher than our thoughts enter into our minds and we're made different. And so we want to encounter Jesus, not just for what we need in the moment, but that encountering him, we would be changed to be like him. Right. Absolutely. And, and so that is the absolute goal. And it's, we also need to renew our minds. Um, and that means we need to um, put our thinking in line with what, what God is teaching us and um, the way that he taught us to live. The, the verse that we have been talking about um, last week and this week, Romans 12, one and two is our theme verse over this series that we're kind of leaning into. And so I'm going to read that in the NIV. It says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, 
in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Mm. We want to renew our minds. We want to be transformed. Uh, We want to um, speak truth over the lies that we tend to believe. So we've decided that we're going to identify what those lies are and hear what God has to say about them. And the first one that we want to talk about in 2024 is just the lie that I have to please God to earn his love, that somehow I've got to be good enough. I have to do for God first in order to be acceptable to him. Yeah. Yeah. And this is absolutely a lie. Everything, everything in our relationship with God, everything that um, every response is in response to him. God initiates and we respond. God is our creator. Um, But something in us, I think it's the, I don't know if it's just kind of this doing culture or um, we, we think that we have to initiate, we have to be good enough. We have to earn. And, um, God is so that if you look at the Bible, old Testament and new, it is a story of God continuing to reach to his people. Mm. And it's a beautiful picture of, um, God reaching to his people. And then we decide if we're going to respond, um, to that. So like one of the things I think about when I'm kind of just getting this practically in there, um, I can try to love somebody, love my neighbor. I can try super hard to love my neighbor and I'm not going to do that well, right? But because of the love I have received from God, I can love them with with God's love, right? And so everything is initiated by God. I don't have to try to be good Mm -hmm. enough because it's because of what Jesus did for me on the cross because of God's pursuing love of me, which is astounding. And I don't even have to fully grasp. Um, I am able to extend love to someone else. Yeah. I'm so comforted that God's love is a reflection of his character and not mine. When I blow it, he's not like, ah, he's not wrestling to, to love me in that moment. I think I think sometimes he loves us even more in that moment because we recognize our need for him and the times when we've we've blown it. We've not behaved the way that we wanted to behave or we said something that we wish we hadn't said and we're dealing with regret and he says, hey, I'm, I am the God of redemption. I'm the God of second chances. I'm the God who, you know, you talked about Jody, how he initiates Christmas. We just walked through Christmas. Christmas is such a beautiful picture of him initiating and saying, listen, you don't have to clean up yourself to, to come to me. I will step right down into your mess. Actually, I'll step right down into a barn, (laughs) be born in a stable. He left heaven to be born in a stable, to come as a, as a vulnerable, needy, newborn baby, completely reliant on simple humans, imperfect, simple humans to care for him and to provide for him. And I don't know, it's just, such a huge demonstration of how God leads and how he, he comes to us. 
Right. And we don't have to, just keying in on what you said, we don't have to um, clean up our acts because while we were still sinners, Christ died for mm-hmm. us. Right. Like he came to earth to be among us, which seems silly and crazy. And I, I think that we even at times can think, you know, why, why did that have to be the plan? I could have come up with a better plan than that. And the truth is God knew what it would take to redeem us from our sins. And mm-hmm. um, he gave the perfect sacrifice himself. Um, fully God, fully man, right? Yes. Have you ever heard the Paul Harvey story of the man and the birds? No. Oh, Tell it. So good. There was a, a guy who went to church every Christmas with his family, and he was a good guy. He wasn't he wasn't a bad person. He was a really good person, a good moral person, good dad, good husband. He just couldn't buy into this story that Jesus would become human and be like us. He, he just couldn't, he couldn't honestly wrap his mind around it. And so on this one Christmas Eve, he said, I love you. And I don't want to disappoint you, but I'm just, it feels dishonest for me to go to church today. I'm not going to go with you this year. And so his wife and his kids went off to the Christmas Eve service and he was at home. And shortly after they left, the snowstorm started to kick up. And so he, he had lit a fire and he was in his comfy chair and he heard this slam on the window. And it sounded like, neighbor kids maybe throwing a snowball or something up against the window and then slam it happened again and then the third time he got out of his comfy chair to go find out what was going on and he he peeled back the curtain and there were some birds who had been caught in the storm and the wind is blowing every direction and they keep they're just trying to get out of this mess and they keep flying up against the window whether it's the wind doing that or their own kind of um, disorientation that they're flying into the window. So he feels so bad for these birds. So he, he puts on his coat and his boots and he heads up and he opens up the barn door and he turns on the light in the barn so that they can make their way to the barn. Well, the birds don't go to the barn. They're all, you know, caught up in their own fear and anxiety and they're just keep flying into the window. And so he got some breadcrumbs and he left breadcrumbs from where they were in the front of the house to the barn door, you know, light on barn door, open breadcrumbs. Nope. They're still not following his lead and keeps slamming up against this window. And he's like, so he tries to wave them towards the barn. He gets really close to them and he's waving his arms. He's trying to get them to fly towards the barn and nothing is working. And he feels so bad. So he heads back into the house and he just does not know what to do. And then slam, he hears this, you know, slam against the window. And he's just like, how could I help them? Because clearly they don't trust me. They're afraid of me because I'm so big and so different. They won't follow me into the barn. And he just had this thought, this fleeting thought of like, if I could become one of them, I could fly into the barn and they could follow me into the barn and I could rescue them and they would be safe. And it was at that moment that the church bells chimed and he got it for the first time that Jesus, God decided to become one of us. He's like, the only way that I can show them the way to be rescued is to become one of them. And so anyway, beautiful story. I don't know. You can Snopes that. (laughs) I'm sure it's, it's, I don't think it's an accurate story. I think it's a real story, but it does illustrate that. God's willingness to come to us and to meet us where we are and that, that he initiates it. And that was what Christmas was all about, him becoming like us so he could make a way for us. I love that. Even if it's just a word picture, I love that. 
um, illustration, right? Because that's literally what he did. Um, it, it almost seems ridiculous and, um, yeah, so, so much humility in it. And that's exactly what he did. He, he came among us to show us the way, um, and then to, to give his life for us, which is, um, you know, just hard to grasp. So, yeah, I mean, this lie of, um, I have to do for God first before he can love me. It's a lie. This is not this is not the truth. This is not, um, our value does not come from our doing. And I don't know, we're, we're from a Dutch culture. Maybe this is a lot of different, you know, cultures, but in the Dutch culture, we're a very doing, and I think American can be a very doing culture. Mm -hmm. We have to do this. We have to do this. We have to produce. We have to, um, and that is where our value comes from. And the, the truth is, you know, we are children of the King and our value comes from that. Um, But we have to, instead of looking to the world, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed Mm -hmm. (laughs) by the renewing of your mind. So we need to look at what is truth, biblical truth. And that's where we need to look. So yeah, it's just a good challenge for us. Countercultural for us to think Mm -hmm. that we don't have to be efficient in our relationship with the Lord, that he, the whole purpose of him creating us is to be in relationship with him. And it's, it's all about the withness. It's not about the, the doingness. This kind of right. came on the radar for me a few years ago when Eden, my daughter, Eden and her now husband at that time, they were boyfriend, girlfriend, but they had gone to South Africa for three months to serve um, a missionary there to work for a missionary and I remember having a meeting before they went and it was uh, the person who oversees the ministry here in the States that connects with that ministry in South Africa. So it was that leader, the, the American leader who is, he is African in spirit. And then the African missionary and Eden and Grant, Grant's parents and myself were in this meeting. And they said, the hardest thing for you in your time here is that you will always be thinking about what we want you to do. What do we want you to do? What do we want you to do? What do we want you to do? And they said, the ministry that you bring is that you, is not your doing, it's your being. And they said, it's a, it's a way of thinking that Americans don't think because they explained, they said, even when this meeting is done, when we get off the phone and this meeting is over, you will evaluate whether it was a good meeting or a bad meeting based on how many questions got answered, how much clarity you have moving forward, the to-do list that you put together out of our conversation. And he said, Annalie and I will get off the phone with you and we'll say, that was a beautiful time. We got to hear them laugh. We got to see their faces. It was a Zoom call. You know, We got to be with them. Wasn't it such an honor to be with them? They said, we will even just evaluate this meeting differently. And that really, I hadn't really thought about it that way before, but they said, your presence is your ministry coming here and being present with the children, having them see your face consistently day after day and your regular love on them. That's your ministry. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and isn't that true in our, I mean, just really our relationship with God, like 
we want to do for him. I want to do work for you, God. I want to do, I want to do. And really the, the most important thing is to be in his presence. And so we've talked before about sitting in God's presence, mm-hmm. sitting in the quiet. Um, and then we can evaluate that of, you know, I didn't hear from God. So mm-hmm. that was a waste of my time. And no, no being in his presence, you being present in that time with him, that is a gift and we don't have to have a certain result for that to be a good thing. It's just being in his presence instead of evaluating. But I, I absolutely think that's so ingrained in us. I know it's ingrained in me is yeah. the doing. It's so ingrained in me that sometimes when I have sat with the Lord and I've gotten clarity from him about what he wants me to do, that I, I almost, I mean, not literally, but just work with me here. You know, I figuratively high five him, thank him for the assignment and head off to do what he told me to do instead of recognizing that we go together. <laughs> you know, I don't have yes. to run off and do this to, to please him. It's the, it's the witness. That's the whole, that's his desire for you and me. There's, there's nothing that we need to do for him to love us more. If we did nothing at all, he wouldn't love us any less. We get to be with him. And it's it's a journey to wrap our minds around that and to get that. There are still times I sit down to do my quiet time and I think, okay, Lord, I've got 20 minutes or I've got 30 minutes or whatever. Like, so we need to be efficient today. What do you want me to know? Instead of I've got 20 minutes, I'm not even going to. I'm not going to do a quiet time. I'm not going to read. I'm just going to be with you. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I think there's a learning in that to just, um, be and, and get value out of just being with the Lord. Um, I also think, you know, you kind of said this with the the story of with Eden and Grant, it's out of the being that we actually do. And mm-hmm. so um, there are things that I have the privilege of doing for the Lord, but it comes, it needs to come out of my being with him. Otherwise I'm just spinning my wheels. And so I, I even wonder, Shauna, we've talked about this before, I mean, even a couple of weeks ago, we talked about just with the podcast that God only showed us the next step. And so we would just take the next step, but he didn't tell us the end result. And if he had told us the end result, we probably would have like packed our little bag and said, great, great. We got it. We don't need mm-hmm. you anymore because that's our nature, right? Like I can make this happen. And so, you know, one of the stories, and I, th- I think I've shared this on the podcast before, but one of the things I always look at is when Joseph and Mary were um, sent to Egypt you know, an angel came and said, go to Egypt because, um, you know, the king wants to kill um, baby Jesus. And so they fled. Well, then after a couple of years, an angel came to Joseph and said, now you can bring your family back. And so Joseph started heading back. And when he got to a certain point the night before they were going to enter back in to like Bethlehem, an angel appeared and said, don't go to Bethlehem, go to Nazareth. And so he rerouted because he kept listening Mm -hmm. instead of just saying, Nope, this is what I was told. I'm Mm -hmm. not listening anymore. I'm moving forward. It's about relationship. Mm -hmm. It's about being with God and listening to what he's telling us next. And I think too often we want to, the whole doing part gets out of whack because 
even when we feel like God has opened this door and he's showing us what he wants us to do, we want to like pack our backpack and go do it ourselves. And he's like, wait, 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 wait. I'm, I'm, I want to do this with you. We're going to do this together because it's about relationship with me. And that's where I want to be. And I, Mm -hmm. you know, I keep having to learn this over and over again. Yeah. And it's a dance. It's not a solo. You know what I mean? It's not like everybody gathers in a circle and you're in the center and it's your moment to shine. It's, this is a slow dance with the Lord walking in relationship with him and with his hand on the small of our back, just the slightest nuance, right. Of just leading to the right, to the left. This is it. We have to be that close to know what's next, to know where to put Mm -hmm. our foot. That's, that's so good. And that's just such a good reminder, Jodes of, um, yeah, the need to not run off and do, but to stay with throughout. Because I think sometimes too, we can get excited about an assignment that God has given us. And we, we feel like there's an authority involved in the fact that this is what God told me I'm supposed to do. So y'all need to get on board because this is from the Lord. And so, you know, we can, we can try to muscle things into being, I think too, rather than staying attentive to what God is doing, not just for the assignment, but for his timing, for who's supposed to be a part of it, just walking it out in love relationship with him, surrendered to him. There's no point at which he says, okay, Jodes, you've heard from me. You take it from here. Right. And there's a story in the um, Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby. um, And it, it talks about a, um, a, a man and a woman who were newly married and they really felt like God had called them to tent ministry. And so they, in that, that feeling called to this tent ministry, they like went, okay, we got this. And they started, they launched this tent ministry and they put everything into it and they lost everything. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, had to sell their house and move back in with their parents. And it was like, God, you told us to start a tent ministry. And then you just really, you just let it fall apart. What is happening? And um, so they, they had to kind of regroup, recenter. And years later, God had them start this tent ministry in a completely different way. Mm-hmm. They were like the umbrella of this incredible ministry that God used in powerful ways if they had kept listening, mm-hmm. God would have led them in the steps of where he wanted them to go and what his vision was. But they thought, oh, that's what you want us to do? Got it. See you later. Right? And so the consequence of running to do without God, there is, you know, I think we get caught up in this, um, you know, either I have to do, do, do to earn my salvation or I can't do anything because I'm just mm-hmm. going to sit in God's presence. There is a balance because of what Jesus did for us. We need to go and tell people mm-hmm. about who he is because of the love that I receive from Christ. I need to get out there and love because of the grace that I have been granted. Then I need to go and show grace. Like there is a doing as a result of um, what God is doing in me and, and my relationship with him we, it just needs to be in the right order. Mm. I think we can we can falter on both of those. Yeah. I what think do you think of that? Well, I, I agree with you. And I, mean, I think it's in John 5 where Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. I only say what I see the Father saying. So it's it wasn't just about 
his intimacy with the Lord and the fact that he would pray and that he would listen and spend time with the Father, but that he also then came out of that prayer time and activated what God gave him to do. So, yeah, I mean, I think that we could probably fall into the camp of one or the other, right? Like, okay, God, I got it. And then we go off and running or, you know, no, but it's just me and my Jesus. It's cute on a t-shirt, but it's not biblical. <laughs> God's right. intention for us, like even our identity as beloved means not only are we loved by God, but that we have a purpose to accomplish with him as we walk in love relationship with him, not for him to earn his favor, but with him. It's yeah, I, I, I can get on identity identity and purpose because I think we separate those so often. I just don't think they're separated. I think they're way more integrated than what we usually talk about them um, in the way that we talk about them. But yeah, yeah, we, it's a, it's a both and. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we, we, so the lie that we've been talking about that I have to initiate that my value comes um, from that and, and moving forward without God, you know, we want to speak truth over that. We, we want to do for God in response to being with him. It's about the withness mm -hmm. relationship. That's what we want you to take home today. And we want to apply. Right, right. We don't have to initiate. God already did. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. It was God going first. He loved first. And how he was and who he was, he is today. He is consistently God. We serve a real God. And he really loves you. <laughs>